0: everyone and welcome back to Pixels, the show where we cover the news from the video game industry from the past couple of weeks or so. My name is Patrick Beja and today I am welcoming to the show a first-timer for this show. But you've been on my French gaming show a few times because you are French. So we're going to be two French guys speaking English on an English language show. Hey Thomas, how's it going? Hello Patrick. Uh, pretty good, pretty good. Pretty hot
1: today but uh, <laughs> uh, surviving, <laughs> surviving.
0: Yeah, and I asked you to turn off your uh your your fan for the recording. So I'm contributing to the I'm contributing to your hotness,
1: if yeah, we can put it's it okay. like that. <laughs> I'm happy to sacrifice a little bit of comfort so I can talk with you. It's all good. Uh, So you're Thomas Bideau, for those who don't know, um,
0: you are an analyst and you're one of the, I would say, handful of video games analysts whom I follow and trust. Uh, There are a couple of others that I uh, uh, welcome. I'm lucky enough to have on my shows from time to time, Um, but I'm really glad you're here because we're going to be talking about a number of numbers and uh, you're going to help bring some clarity to those, which ones are interesting, which ones are uh, BS and which ones could be extracted information from. So looking forward to hear what you have to say about those.
1: Yeah, exciting stuff this week yeah sure. the
0: valve leaks the the fortnite study thing sensor tower estimating stuff for super mario run etc etc we will get to that but first i did want to talk about warframe uh and warframe is a game that came out what was it 2013 i think um and that I think everyone has been talking about on and off every year or two, um, and it's been. Wait, I'm gonna I'm gonna confirm it was 2013. I think it came out a few months before Destiny, um, and the the comparison with Destiny is apt because it looks like Destiny visually and gameplay wise. It's kind of a Destiny like. Uh, game. And uh, so it's been around for a long time, for five years. It's, it's mm-hmm. expand, expanded, changed tremendously. And um, the reason I'm bringing it up is because it's going to be coming to the Nintendo Switch uh, courtesy of Panic Button. Panic Button being the uh, wizards who actually made it possible to have Rocket League. Well, I mean, Rocket League, you could have expected it would be available on Switch. But then they converted Doom. And I believe they're the ones who made uh, Wolfenstein 2 and now they're, uh, we haven't seen it yet, so we don't know how graphically uh, faithful it is to the original, but they're porting um, Warframe as well. All of those, or at least the last three, are games that are graphically pretty intensive and that I would never have guessed would be possible to do on the Switch Without you know, obviously there are some graphical downgrades. That's to be expected. But the fact that they would run at all with something that is vaguely comparable to um, the the big boys' versions is some kind of. As I was saying, it feels like wizardry. So I don't know what magic spells Panic Button are using. Um, but they're also converting uh, Warframe to the Switch. Which is it? I mean, were you surprised as well that those games could be brought to the Switch? I was like flabbergasted. <laughs> now I'm getting used to it. but
1: Yeah, I think I think we all... I think I was surprised. Um, I think the first hint of the Switch kind of bringing these sort of games in terms of, of you know, fidelity um, um, environment was when they were kind of like leaking images of Skyrim without telling that Skyrim was coming to the Switch. That's true. And I was kind of I'm, I'm impressed by that. But now, I mean... Uh, Warframe is impressive, but the fact that you know Fortnite, which is a much more recent game, kind of like released on the Switch, plays yeah, really well. Yeah, that's
0: true. Fortnite as well, yeah. Is, but I mean, Fortnite has has cartoony graphics, but still, it's it's
1: pretty faithful. Yeah, it's very stressful. There's lots of... Um, the multiplayer is always complex because you need to have like something that can render lot, the, the customized characters with a long line of sight over a big environment. So mm. these things are technically complex as well. Uh, uh, Warframe, in the way, you know, we have lots of corridors, so there's a lot of occlusion. You can do a lot of optimization. That's not easy, but the game is five years old. You would say, ah, oh, it's... it's Probably, a techni- from a technical point of view, they, they had more time to optimize how they want to do things. Uh, but, yeah, that, that kind of a whole sort of uh, high-resolution, high-fidelity games, like 3D environments, 3D shooters, games that you would associate usually with either kind of iNPC PC or you know, PS4, Xbox One. Yeah. All those games coming to the Switch is very interesting i think it's yeah. great for the console because it positioned them differently than previous generations of nintendo consoles and it's kind of like this is a serious contender on on many more levels than the, the previous generations i think it's a pretty big
0: deal for the switch because they they i mean panic button again praise uh, to the the that company <laughs> um i was going to say praise b i've been watching the hands made tales uh, the handmade still too much um the (laughs) that company specifically is uh doing some incredible work and the fact that they are able to port those games uh means that at least this generation's games that are not the most graphically intensive can be ported now we'll see what happens in a couple of years when we have another generation that will be an entirely different story but for now um it makes the 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 switch into something more than it ha- than it was envisioned as by the gaming community <laughs> The other really interesting thing, by the way, is that this is going to, again, uh, bring up the question of cross-platform play. Uh, Sony is going to be... Of course, the game is not as popular as Fortnite because nothing is as popular as Fortnite, but this is going to bring it up again. So uh, I think whenever they're going to be releasing it, we don't have a release date, I believe, um, but whenever they're going to be releasing it, I hope... Sony has an answer for those questions because it's gonna as I said it's gonna bring them up again
1: I'm very confident that Sony's answers is going to be the same as as it's been for the past you know couple of months um, it's interesting because it reminds me of the uh, PS3 Xbox 360 generation where it was Microsoft who was playing hardball about you know playing playing, playing ball with the others mm. uh, and being you know Playing hard to 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 to, to support something an ecosystem where others would benefit from 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 yeah their if, if the base, other you know? if the
0: other ecosystems would benefit they but yeah. I mean the um Sean Leyden has said we will we're working on something and we'll have something to say um you know recently a couple of uh, weeks ago a little bit less uh, so. I don't know what they're going to have to say, but they did indicate that they would have uh, additional maybe changes to their policy, which
1: wasn't necessarily expected, but... I want to see it. Um, there might yeah. be. Um, uh, it's not impossible. I think in many ways, Sony is a bit more flexible when they make their policies than, than a company like Microsoft. Mm. But I see no concrete, real pressure from from the market for them to change their, their positioning, um, well, especially as they cross play with PC, which is uh, well, the one platform where it's quite easy for them to, to, to say yes. Sure. Mm. But I mean, the
0: consumer pressure, especially with Fortnite, is very strong. And that's what's pushed them to uh, speak up about it already a couple of times. So I think, and the other thing, maybe you can enlighten me about this, What is the competitive advantage they have for this generation in not allowing this? I understand that they want to protect their, you know, business model by, not their business model, but a portion of their business by saying, hey, if you want to play it on PlayStation, you have to buy it on PlayStation. And the fear, I suppose, is the same as the App Store, which is you can't use in the game something you've bought somewhere else because then uh, let's say they might sell it on their own website, Epic might sell items or season passes or mm-hmm. I'm sorry, battle passes on their own website for a cheaper price and then, uh, you know, forego the, the Sony cut
1: of the thing. Is that I think, the reason? Uh, no, I think there's, there's two components. One component is the cross-play, the ability to play with someone who are on a different platform. And then, then the second component is uh, protecting the way they see it, protecting the, the their store and making sure that you know their customers are charged even if they move on to one of the other uh, compatible platforms like like PC or mobile. Uh, on the crossplay,
0: yeah. But what's yeah. the what's the uh, how is it different if Why? that happens uh-huh. yeah. on on Xbox than if it happens on PC? You're right. I I mentioned they they would want to only sell you stuff on the PlayStation Store, but you can already buy stuff on on PC. So and and they have the biggest market share anywhere anyway of the consoles. So it's not like like people would buy stuff on the PlayStation Store in more in larger quantities than the, they it's not like they would every player would rush off to the Xbox store to buy stuff to play them on the PlayStation 4 it's i, I don't understand why they're so attached to it i don't so, see the advantage this is
1: very much so they don't see PC as a competitor for them PC is not a competitor because they they see them as different players altogether but they see uh xbox and the switch in many ways as um it's like it's not a zero-sum game it's like you play you, you could you if you open the window of you being able to switch from playstation to xbox then i open up the window to potentially lose you to uh, another ecosystem so it's a it's, it's playing so hardball yeah, to suffocate the options mean. But, and, but and I it, don't think it's worth it. It's not nice to the consumer. Case. They don't want to be nice to the consumer. They, of course. They, uh, uh, but it, so it looks like very aggressive because it is. Because no, I
0: understand the, that. But but I think it's uh, it's flawed reasoning. I think that is not helping I them. I agree. By, yeah.
1: I'm not. I'm not saying this is the right logic. Yeah, but I'm that's their, this is their thinking.
0: Logic. Yeah. That's yeah. Okay. All right. Well, anyway, we talked about it uh, already, and I, I still don't think it makes sense. And I think it's. Uh, I don't tend to use. I don't tend to to get angry about these kinds of things, but this one does make me angry. Oh, and by the way, (laughs) Warframe. Getting back to the topic at hand, um, I was comparing it to Destiny because it is very, very much like Destiny. It feels like a competent, poor man's, much more expanded Destiny. I say poor man's because it is. (laughs) <laughs> free-to-play, well, yeah, but that's not why I was saying this. It's free-to-play. Um, it's very well done. It, it has some issues. I think the gunplay is nowhere near as satisfying as the one in Destiny. I've only played a few hours. Um, mm-hmm. I've played maybe, I don't know, five hours, something like that. But the gunplay immediately feels great in Destiny. It doesn't really in Warframe. It's kind of a random, generic shooter in many ways. Um yep. And the free-to-play nature, I mean, the netcode is not great. I've seen so many, like, so much rubber banding for enemies and for uh, co-op team people. It's it's not the best uh, design. And it's very confusing when you first get in. There's, like, a a map that is the size of, I don't know, the, the entire there are so many missions on the map and planets and on each planet, there's like 30 missions and you expand the thing and it goes to the solar system. And there's like, you you can feel it's the game that has been expanded for yeah. five years. Um, and you have like options and, and different weapons and different mods and the market and the um, I can't even remember all the names. It's, it is confusing, um, but it's, it's a very comp- competent, competent, game and they they're supporting it super well they've improved it very much i i actually played it uh in 2014 i think um and came back to it now uh i come back to it like every couple of years uh, (laughs) since just to try it out I, i was never completely convinced um if this was if we didn't have as many incredible games i think this one would be um might become one of my games of choice it's just we have
1: other stuff that I'm interested in, but it's
0: very competent.
1: I think so. I think people talk a lot about Warframe right now because of the, of the switchboard, but this is of a game course. that suffers from a lack of you know, visibility when it's actually incredibly popular. Um, I don't have the numbers top of my head, but from, uh, Valve every year releases the top games from, from in terms of sales. And they do like, you know, there's like platinum, gold, silver, mm-hmm. and they all correspond to uh, uh, um, a number of sales for that year. Kind of like, you know, like platinum, platinum disc, mm-hmm. you know, that's the equivalent. And then Warframe, if I remember correctly, was one of the very few kind of like independent game, because I think the, the, the company has been bought since then, um, was in the platinum category on Steam. Right. It's an incredibly popular game. Lots of people are playing it. Lots of people are spending money on it. But we don't hear much about it most of the time, even when there's an expansion. So the, the announcement that was done was during their own event. They have their own yeah Blizz- TennoCon. TennoCon. I was going to say their own BlizzCon, but it, yeah, that's the, <laughs> that's the that's the that's the proper name. And this is a very well followed event. There's a, people care about the announcement they make. They they, they have their own very dedicated community. And it's actually a significantly popular game. In many ways, for me, you, you talk about Destiny, and I think it's interesting because if you look from, like, you know, core gameplay loop, Destiny is much more tight. Like, you know, you're talking about the gameplay, talking about, you know, like, ah. Uh, it's, it's,
0: it's a more focused
1: experience. Like, it, it feels more polished. It's very pretty. The character design is amazing in Destiny. I like the character design in in. In Warframe, but it's you can see like the the team behind Destiny is Bungie. They have way more people. They have a lot of experience. Um, there's a you know, bigger budget behind it. it it's uh, funny.
0: Even even yeah. graphically, it feels like some kind of a Destiny. Uh, again, a poor man's Destiny. It could you could like. Yeah, I was playing it. Is, My wife uh, showed up to, in, in the uh, office, in the home office, and she was like, "Oh, you're playing Destiny again?" And I was like, "No, this is this is Warframe." But even you know, from afar, you you might think, "Oh, that's that's the same game."
1: But but you're right, and it's interesting because um, Warframe came out before Destiny, so they, they, the yeah. art style kind of like I don't think was influenced in that. But I think. Um, Digital Extremes, the developers of, of Warframe, do something much, much, much better, which is bringing life to the game with the live development, really embracing that game as a service, bringing new expansion all the time. Bringing... So they're they not perfect. They make mistakes. Um, their community is very vocal about those mistakes when they happen. But you look at the couple of mishaps that that Bungie had on... Switching from Destiny One to Destiny Two, from the the way they manage the expansions, and, and well, by you, the couple of mishaps,
0: yeah. you mean the fifty four mishaps that they.
1: Had. <laughs> I was trying to be diplomatic, to be gentle. About yeah. Okay. It. yeah okay. Yes, uh, <laughs> and it's interesting to see that, what from not as a as a, a polished experience, but you will realize that you can have a slightly unpolished experience, but if you have a good service layer, if you bring. Constant content to your players, engage with them. You can be incredibly successful. I think a good parallel, and these two games are, in many ways, uh, uh, in my mind, they come up together very often. It's Path of Exile and Warframe. I've managed to kind of like follow the same kind of route mm. in the studio, making a game on an established genre, going free to play on something that was not free to play before, and by you know sticking with it, creating content regularly engaging with the players managed to build, you know, something very nice and successful. And that's something to to praise. And that's something that, that I think Path of Exile is a little bit better than than, than Warframe in that sense in, in people seems to in my circle mention it more often. But I think we should be more attentive to what they, what they've done and what they've successfully done and, and how it can become like a, a, a path to you know like get inspiration from
0: and you know you're mentioning the uh, valve numbers and uh, this is a great segue segue to the leak that happened just a few well not really a leak basically uh, there was a setting that allowed people to view achievement numbers in uh, steam which helped them determine the number of players estimate from each game, it was a little bit more complicated than that, but for the sake yeah. of argument, let's say we now have the old time player estimate for every game on steam there's like thirteen thousand, I think um, and we can see which ones had how many players it warframe is number eight in that estimate with 16 million players. You know, for a game that is barely mentioned when we uh, talk about yeah. the successful games, uh, it's, it's really worth pointing out. And by the way, number four is Unturned, which is yeah. a free-to-play game which I had never heard of. Never. Um <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, I had I had heard of Unturned because of that, because it's a kind of a uh right. unconsidered game that's actually been incredibly popular on 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 Steam uh, 2016, 2017. I think it's not as it's not coming up as often now than it was like two and three years ago. Hmm. Uh, but yes, yeah, there's a there's a number of these odd game that that are you know Below, below the radar, but there's a the engaged community and 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 many players uh are playing them and it's it's yeah, refreshing it's a- to see those numbers because you can you can you can see those games emerge and if you look at uh you know before SteamSpy spy had you know their methodology kind of like uh hindered by the new uh settings in the Steam API and the Steam platform. Um, you could see these games, but because the West Team Spine is, is is an always available uh, uh, data set, you have very few people kind of like, oh, I wonder what kind of like surprising game is doing really, really well. But I think you could you could see Unturned uh already kind of like showing up in these uh, numbers. Yeah. Well I, I wouldn't have expected something like that to show up at
0: number number four uh, with twenty-seven million players. Uh, number one is Team Fortress 2 with 50 yep. million players. Uh, CSGO is number two with 46 million players. And Player Known's Battleground has 36 million, and that's the number three. Uh, it's not surprising for number one and, and two, and the rest are games that you have heard about as well. But uh, that leak was enormous, and you're an analyst who lives on data. Mm-hmm. Um, is this going to make you guys' your job Easier, what is like is that going to change things? Is it a point of reference that's going to be useful in the future, uh, or
1: is it like kind of garbage you can do anything with? No, it's very useful. Um, there's, there's no doubt about that. That's um, so there was a time. Long time ago, not that long ago, but um, there was a time where, where we, had, we had no data. We had, there was no Steam Spy, for instance. And we were doing estimates based off Steam charts, number of reviews, and you were kind of like, eh, I know this game made that much money and had that many uh, uh, units sold because they did a press release about it or because uh, you know the people working there. And so you can cross reference. Steam Spy came along and kind of like, even if Steam Spy wasn't perfect, um there was kind of like um uh, a margin of error that was acceptable enough so that you could get a sense of a sense of scale. Oh that game probably you know, Steam Spy estimates at hundred thousand. You probably like maybe it's half that, maybe it's twice that, but it's that range. It's really good to get a sense of did they ever make money or did they did they did did they like flop? It's very, very useful. And then Steam's changed their, their settings. Steam Spy became a lot more unreliable. I know they're still working on a number of things to improve their their algorithm. And then there's the what what what's called the data leak. I don't think it's a. I think it's a. It's something that always existed. The data was not leaking. Just like a, a very clever way to reverse engineer the numbers based on data that was made publicly available. Um, and so what's happening for us as analysts is like we have now that snapshot, okay, July 2018, this this these were the numbers. It's very useful right now, and it's going to be super useful in the coming two to three months. And then the more time passes, unless something else come up, then the more the quality of that that that, that those numbers are going to uh deteriorate and it will become less useful. But it's still so Good to have a snapshot. We were guessing so much before having Steam Spy or or these other methods of uh, of calculation. Uh, it's actually, I think it's a boon, uh, and and I hope we'll keep finding ways to uh, to see those numbers. What 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 Valve is doing though? What Valve publicly stated a week or two ago. Um there were at an event in Europe, I think, and someone asked, Okay, so you you've you've blocked the methodology for Steam Spy to make a calculation. As developers, we really, really need those numbers. It's very useful for us to for our business. You know, it's just right, useful right. to raise money, it's useful to um to estimate our sales, to forecast marketing budget or anything, or even like development budget. And Valve said, Well, we are working towards something like Steam Spy.
0: But for, more for precise the, 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 and more...
1: We don't know. And well, that's what they well, said, I guess. But maybe... That's, need, yeah. yeah, that's what they said. So what I want to see is that, did they say that to... As they push back on, that's very strong demand coming from everywhere in the industry. Even... I think I, I hear people saying, oh, it's the big publishers. They're putting pressure on people because they don't mm. want to sh- to share the advantage, the, the edge they have because they have more numbers because they know they own numbers. I think that's BS. I think everybody wants to, to, to be able to have more visibility. I don't think we need the exact numbers, but what, what Valve is providing right now is nothing. What Steam Spy was providing was incredibly useful. And I've known um, uh, big publishers using Steamspy. I've known big publishers building systems like Steamspy using the similar methodologies. And everybody's kind of like hungry for data because data is kind of like feeding all sorts of, of, of positive uh, endeavors and, and making mm. informed decisions is so much more than, than guessing. And I so think- So everyone needs the, the data.
0: It's not just
1: yeah. people spying on on
0: uh, on developers. Everyone needs the those.
1: Absolutely not. There was a small, there was a thread on, on, on Twitter from um, uh, some prominent indie developers and says like, oh, can you share stories about how Spy helped you? And you see those incredibly small studios and say, well, because of steam spine i was able to convince a bank to give me money mm. uh, i was able to convince like an investor to give me money it's not necessarily like the startups that raise millions it's also like small boutique uh, 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 developer company that asks
0: for $50,000 yeah. or
1: something. I exactly. Guess. Yeah. And these people, if they go to the bank and say, the bank says, how many are you going to sell? Well, I'm going to sell that many. How do you know? Well, here are similar games on that platform I'm targeting. Here's the numbers. And the banker is going to say, where are your numbers coming from? Well, here's like an established you know methodology. You can understand it. This is the estimates they have. Everybody mm. is using it. Oh, okay it builds confidence towards like, okay, you know what you're talking about. Your numbers make sense. I'll give you the, I'll give you a loan. Just this is incredibly, incredibly valuable. And, and I think Valve, uh, they've blocked uh, the methodology from Steam Spy. they blocked that mythology that I think I was talking about using the achievement. I think there's like pressure on Valve to, to provide something of that nature that helps people make informed decisions. Yeah, um,
0: interesting, yeah.
1: And I, I, me as a, so me as an analyst, if Valve doesn't do anything, it's a little bit good for my business because I spend days, you know, uh, scraping data from other sources, um, and 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 do my own estimates. So, so, it so it's doing me. your job for you.
0: It's putting you out of the
1: job. Yeah, but to be fair, I'd rather be put out of the job of crunching those numbers and be the kind of guy who has a secret recipe. You can like make good estimates about how many cells there are. Right. I'd rather I'd rather have this data freely available to everyone, and then get hired to help people understand the numbers. Go put deeper them in context, and yeah, yeah. Exactly. That would be so much more interesting to me than 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 that. And so. That's kind of what I hope will happen. That's what they said they were going to do. So
0: we yeah, are. will have to but wait it's a and very see,
1: yeah. interesting. Very interesting developments because they it puts really much much more pressure on Valve than it used to be. And and just to conclude on that, yeah, I think this, the the other thing that that data set does is for someone like Sergey Galianski who does Steam Spy, that gives him like a data set to feed into his own database, create new. Reference point where you can like cross-reference, maybe do some machine learning to bring back Steam Spy. So I'm 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 slightly hopeful that Steam Spy might come up again uh, with a, a new methodology or or more complex algorithm to 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 keep us uh, in the in the light of what's going on. Mm. i I'm, I'm you know as an analyst, I'd rather not do all that very heavy lifting that steam is doing and and just like you know yeah. piggyback his his work and 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 do the other side of the of the work of an analyst, which is you know like you said bringing context and and helping going further into what the data mean um well that's actually
0: really interesting, especially the part about uh indie developers using that data to uh get loans that's uh a, a Really is something I had never really thought about. Um, but there are a lot of other numbers. Uh, we have Sensory Tower estimating Super Mario Run made $60 million worth uh, worldwide. Uh, the 70% of the revenue was coming from Apple, uh, with 33% coming from Android, of course. And then thir- 30, uh, 43% of uh, the revenue was coming from US players. So that's one. Piece of data. And then we have for the celebration of the 10 years of the App Store, um, App Annie estimated the total revenue from all of the apps, and the most, uh, uh, the biggest revenue was generated from games, of course, with the one at the top of the list being Clash of Clans, generating $4 billion um, (laughs) from when it was launched in 2010 to uh, today in 2018. So if you put the two together, you see $60 million, which is nothing to scoff at, but also you see Clash of Clans generating $4 billion. Um, is Nintendo happy with the with their numbers, you think? Were they uh, hoping for more? And then, I guess, is everyone chasing Clash of Clans? Um, I mean, obviously, uh, Candy Crush is... Right behind it, and then you have other very successful games yeah. in Japan and in China. But uh...
1: I think I think Nintendo was hoping to make more money with my Run. Yeah. Um, I think they didn't lose any money uh, right, with that course, kind of yeah. with, 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 with you know the game. I think there's a lot of polishing to that game, so I don't think it was cheap to make, but it was cheaper than that. So they definitely made a profit, but. If you read through uh, Nintendo uh, uh, earning calls and and the way they they, they, they position themselves with uh, free to play games uh, like even the performance of Fire Emblem on on mobile, I think it's it's disappointing a little bit. I was it was very much an experiment so. I see, Wait, uh, do you
0: think the performance of Fire Emblem is disappointing? I thought they were making no, no, no. It's, oh, it, for
1: Mario compared to Fire. Emblem. compared to yeah. Fire Emblem. Yeah, that's that's the way I, I I I was trying to phrase that. Right. Um. So it's still good, but I think there was a bit of a of a notion of how much of the the console effect can you get on a mobile and mm-hmm. and get people to get bored and everybody loves Mario is going to play the game and most of them going to buy it. It didn't happen in the scale they were hoping, is yeah. my my look into that. So I think this means that they are not necessarily going to pursue similar setups. I mean, Mario Run was very weird in its business model compared to what usually happens on, on the App Store. Right, the so,
0: free-to-try thing, yeah. which they
1: touted. and
0: And you have to think, if they don't manage to make a lot of money, you know, quote-unquote, a lot of money, with Mario, what other franchise is going to make a lot of money with that model? That was the maximum they could make, I imagine.
1: Yeah, well, you look at the big Nintendo franchise. I mean, Pokemon, as it's on uh, through the Pokemon Company in Yantic. You know, that's the own thing going sure. on. Uh, I mean, on I mean, if they're
0: if they're going to do it through free to try, meaning you have to pay one fee to unlock the full game, and that's I think, it. Yeah, I, the, I don't yeah. think they're going to try that too much again i don't think they They're going to do that again
1: um i think they will stick to for anything that that feels quote-unquote premium they would stick to consoles uh and their own consoles and what they will do on mobile is what they've done with um animal crossing with fire Mm -hmm. emblem and boy and more like uh sadly more traditional free-to-play games on mobile uh i'm not a I mean, Firebrand was 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 fine. I'm not a big fan of what what they did with know, I mean, Crossing*. I'm not a big fan of what they did with *Magic Op. Um It feels a little bit at odds with the brand of Nintendo. Mm. So I think it's a little bit uncomfortable for them because they would love to have a premium experience on mobile, but but Mario Run didn't transform in a large enough scale for them to justify to invest into. Like a Zelda game on mobile or something on right, that. Right. It's but you don't think so
0: you don't think awkward. they would dirty those premium brands with free-to-play business models? Like they wouldn't do a free-to-play <laughs> yeah. Zelda where they would sell stuff
1: and energy systems and stuff like that. I don't I don't I don't see them do that. I see them there might be other franchises in the type of Fire Emblem where mm. let's say the, the gameplay style, you know, that, that suites of characters that you accumulate kind of lends itself pretty well to, to free-to-play unless you have a franchise that is into that framework and and even like you know Pokemon would be into that but they, they, they would probably stick to Pokemon Go for now I could see I, them I could see them go the route everyone
0: else is going following Fortnite which we're going to talk about in a second and do some kind of battle pass like battle pass enabled game because that's not as dirty as the usual free-to-play um, and everyone is accepting of that model so
1: Maybe, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, hmm. you might be onto something here. I um, I could see this being considered. And looked at. Um, I think it it does work with Fortnite though, because of the multiplayer element and that kind of like very long replayability. But sure, multiplayer Zelda
0: on mobile. There you go. That's that's your your game. Uh, yeah. I will be requesting royalties from Nintendo when they uh release that. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. But i tell you what, I'm still so impressed by how successful Fortnite has been on, on mobile. If you had yeah. Masked Me, uh, you know, like nine months ago, how, how well I think it would have gone. I would have been very, very skeptical. Uh, I'm still surprised. I'm still shocked. I mean, I, it's not like I, I don't believe it. I absolutely believe it. It's just like it, it's not something I, I, I saw coming. And, you know, it's true well, for let's... PUBG as well.
0: Let's talk about this for a second. Um, We did mention last episode that both of those games were actually mobile games now. Um, They have the vast majority of their players on mobile, both Fortnite and PUBG. Um, And to follow up on that, there was uh, an analysis. Uh, What's the name of that company that released those numbers? Uh, LendEDU. Um, that surveyed a 1,000 players who play Fortnite and who released a number of pretty incredible numbers, um, namely the fact that 69% of those Fortnite players had bought, had made in-game purchases, and that they had spent, on average, the, the people who did buy something, had spent, on average, 85 bucks, which seemed like insane numbers. I understand you have the selection bias of asking people who already play the game and who play the game regularly so they're engaged players but even amongst a population like this 69% is a crazy number and you were telling me the methodology is kind of bullshit and they, they those numbers shouldn't be trusted <coughs> but even if it's like a 40% conversion rate and I can't believe it would be given the nature of the battle pass that is really attractive to players who are playing regularly it's still
1: impressive, but so you, you don't think those numbers are trustworthy or... So, the, I, I mean, there's some elements of that study that are interesting. But the, the thing that people uh, picked up in the headline, and I'm a bit disappointed by some of the trade media who, who decided to do the headline with 69% of, of Fortnite players are um, buyers. Uh, um, so it's a little bit worthless. Here's why. The methodology was people who self-identify as uh, particularly active players on Fortnite were were the respondents for, for the study. Um, there is a there's a confirmation bias. If you've already spent money on Fortnite, you are much more likely to consider yourself as uh, Fortnite active players. It's, it's, um, there's no way to make anything with that number. It could be mm. significant. It could be saying, oh, maybe it's 40%. It might be 10% of the people spending money and we don't know, as the, the so variation is too big.
0: We we don't have similar numbers for other games to compare it to. Like those studies, we've we've never seen uh, those studies done for other games asking players who self-identify as active players of those games.
1: No, you 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 mm. you do your study based on people who have played the game. Um, the the benchmark is usually spent on: Have you played that game? Yes or no. And then, have you spent money on that game? Yes or no? And, and even the best study tend to go into, um, there's a company called Superdata, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Yes. Uh, they tend to not go into surveys where they ask people the question because uh, human beings tend to be fallible <laughs> into what they remember. Even if you think you've spent something, maybe you didn't, maybe it was another game. People make mistakes like that. And if you say, I think I spent $100 and then reality was like $250 or it was $10, you'd, we make mistakes all the time. Super data methodology is going looking at number of players and number of purchases made through metadata. And so it's much more reliable because you don't trust humans' opinion and, or, or or their fallible uh, memory. Um, to go back to your point, in terms of what we see, in terms of studies that are similar, we have numbers. We have things like free to play PC game. The, the the kind of like accepted numbers is usually you have like eight to fifteen percent of the the of the players who are actually paying players. You have games that are like World of Tanks are known as exceptions with a very high percentage of players because they have something like um, like the pass with a subscription that's very, very enticing. But 30% is kind of like considered high in the industry. I would not be surprised Fortnite to be slightly less than 30% if only because the audience skews younger than a game like World of Tanks. Mm. So I would imagine easily of all those players which are a lot of them. There's a vast majority of them that that just don't necessarily have a credit card. The parents don't necessarily let them spend money on that. And 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 that percentage for me is probably below that that kind of like current benchmark of of thirty percent. That that's wall of tanks. For me, okay. it's probably between that you know kind of like eight percent that you see in in, in some free to play PC game because that's that's a good it's a good benchmark to. Thirty percent of the world of tanks, and to be to the, be fair, the seagulls are agreeing. Oh, they, uh, you they hear are... my seagulls? Yeah, that's yeah. The, that's um, that's part of the charm living by the seaside. I live yeah. in Brighton. If people are wondering, that's why there's nobody shouting about the French match um, outside right, of my right, door. Right, right, right. Um, the 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 thing with the uh, with these numbers, what's helping them is I think this tend to be. If you go on console, people tend to be a bit more. It's easier to, to to spend on console. And then mobile is even easier. So I could imagine easily that mobile is a good gateway for people to spend money because mm. well, you know, it's a couple of clicks. You know, it's like you know, you already Apple very nicely forces you to put a payment system when you create an account on <laughs> on, on iOS. And so, oh well, you know, there's that thing that's cute kind of cute and I have, you know, my card already on it, a couple of clicks. So I, I imagine it also helps Night along but i i i think that's that study itself on that number is it means nothing it, okay. it's it's such a well i'm disappointed biased, but
0: okay yeah. fair enough uh, thank you for for taking the time to explain it to the noob the data noob and statistics noob that i am Um, Talking about Fortnite, I mean, they are definitely incredibly successful, especially in the way that they are engaging the communities. Have you heard about this uh, ARG game that is happening right now? Yeah, I've seen, I've
1: seen. something on was it on Reddit where the llama was found in France was can was it in Cannes? Yeah, no. Was...
0: So I I don't think they found it in France yet. But basically they are yeah. putting uh portion like characters from the game. The first mm. one might have been the the first viewing or sighting of uh something like that was might have been planted. It's uh the it was the um the the mascot from the Greasy Grove burger, I think, which was in the desert somewhere in the US and someone posted nice. a photo of it. And and then uh just two days ago, um people started seeing Fortnite llamas in european cities like in the actual cities in the streets uh the first one was i think in london or germany and there was another one and people um uh people thought it would be in france but then it turned out it showed up like in the netherlands or something and Fortnite season five is come is beginning in just a couple of days so this is a uh you know marketing pr uh communications thing for the um the the release of the new season, which of course you're gonna have to pay for the season pass for the the mm-hmm. battle pass for. Um it is a stroke of genius again. Um it it's so well done. It plays on every impulse of uh gamers that they want to have more to do with the game that they enjoy at that time. It's really well done. So just again, wanted to tip my hat off to Epic, who are doing an
1: incredible job with every so, aspect of this game. I tell you what, Epic has been—I mean, Fortnite before they went with the battle royale mode, because that's what we're talking about right now. Yeah, yeah. We course. don't talk about anything else. Um, they've managed to take an existing game that was kind of flopping in a very short time frame, develop that mode. That's actually pretty solid. I mean, that—that's a—they've uh, they've done it like in three or four months to to put it together. And they do the first release. That's was it amazing. That quick? And I think it was let's mm. say six months, maybe. But it's okay. it's incredibly quick. Um, and of course, you know, Epic is very talented. They have lots of in, you know very good people working on the engine level. So uh, they have a capacity that very few uh, studios have. But I, I agree with you. I'm impressed with okay switching switching it around. See if you have a hit. Take the ball and run with it in such a impressive way I was impressed with uh, the ability to make the deal with the Avengers and the Thanos mode so quickly when the game is still kind of like you know the the the, the paint is still wet you know yeah and then they it, I mean it was everything the business
0: model was super well done the communication around it was super well done the way they're engaging the players in the game changing the map from season to season with the cracks appearing in the sky and the Mm -hmm. you know things that are being rumored like the tilted towers were supposedly going to be blown up by the big rocket and it turned out that wasn't what was going to happen and like they're creating a narrative within that game that has no business having a narrative but it's respectful (laughs) of that silly 100 players come in and, you know, there's no story really, but they're building a a common thread throughout the seasons and an evolution to get people, to keep people interested. I mean, again, everything, yes, there's a lot of uh, luck and just happenstance. It just happens and you can't always control that lightning in a bottle effect. But then, as you said, taking the ball and running with it, in the perfect way, they're really yeah. incredibly and like they they're that to if, be commended. It's not just we copied PUBG mm-hmm. and that's it. Like they actively did did a lot more to make the game that successful.
1: And they've managed to do that while running things at the same time in parallel. It's very easy for a, a game company, especially uh, when that self publishes. That's not known for its publishing arm. You know, Epic is known for. Development, it's technology. It's not known for right. its marketing initially. They've managed to uh, be able to have like parallel discussions to put things together and and not lose any momentum from one to another. That llama thing with you know things popping up all over. You have a number of people working on that. Yeah, yeah. It's I, not happening out of nowhere, and you know, hit the right town, go into the memes, like like stay in tune with what the, the community is about. That's not easy. People, it looks easy because it's well done, but it's not easy. It's yeah. very difficult to actually engineer that, not be delayed, and 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 you know hit the schedule and always have those crazy things happening. And it's no surprise that so many like we always we always we almost have too many things happening on Fortnite. I'm getting sick of hearing <laughs> about it, but at the same time, it's amazing because they, it's not just oh someone is writing yet another article to uh, get you know, their uh, daily article on Fortnite to hit the number of views on their website. There's mm. actual things happening. You've it's been just reading like, Polygon. I've not. But I've, <laughs> I've, I've, you know me, I look at numbers and I see uh, numbers of articles on Fortnite every month and it's driving me crazy because it's so much all yeah. the time. No, but I it. I,
0: I mean, well. uh, for, uh, Polygon, and not, they're not the only ones, but they certainly know... Uh, how to push a game that is <laughs> getting people to click. Uh it's my main source of gaming information by the way, so I love them. But uh, um, so yeah anyway, uh the 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 that is I think the person who is in charge of communication on Fortnite should get a raise. However much they're being paid, pay them more because they are <laughs> genius. Um all right, that is going to be it for the main topics. We're going to run through a few additional uh, topics really quickly. The first one is that 20 minutes video of playthrough of Anthem, um, which... Have you seen that video? Have, we, have you watched it?
1: I, I didn't watch the whole of it. Uh, I much little chunks of it. Okay, I
0: would recommend anyone who thinks they might be interested in Anthem to go and wo- and watch the entirety of it. It's basically a uh 20 minutes mission commented by the developer. And it is exactly what they would have needed at E3. I you know if uh the person in charge of comms for Fortnite needs a raise, uh the person in charge of the Way Anthem was presented at E3 for EA needs to be <coughs> slapped around the face with a fish. It's it like the the presentation of Anthem was disappointing, confusing, cha- chaotic, and ultimately uh, you know made the game made people less interested in that game. Yeah. That twenty, I think everyone agreed, and and we kept hearing from people who had seen it in the live playthrough behind closed doors that the game actually looked great. Having seen that, I absolutely believe them. That video made me very very hopeful for a game that takes what um, I mean. There are still a lot of unknowns, but it takes what Destiny uh, was was and it still is in some respects, and evolves it into something really interesting it is very like enthusiasm creating for someone who's interested in these kinds of games and i'm not saying they should have played a 20 minutes video on stage although honestly if they had ended their show their very poor show uh, eas was not mm-hmm. great with you know all right thanks everyone for coming now we're going to show you for uh, uh fortnite we're going to show you anthem for 20 minutes I think a lot more people would have made this game their game of the show. It was like, just go all in. This is your big game for the next calendar year. Just go all in and show it for 20 freaking minutes. It's not like your presentation was too long or anything. It was anemic. Anyway.
1: And um, In the past, I've not been shy of doing something similar with all the games. So it's not like it's unprecedented. So yeah. It It was just so... Like,
0: retrospectively, I was hurt for EA for their E3 conference. But anyway, go check that out. Now, I am I think this turned Anthem into a day one purchase for me. Uh, I, it's very possible I'm just going to, I'll wait a little bit more to get confirmation. But I want to, I really want to give it a try now. Uh, Halo is going to get a a TV series on Showtime, and Showtime has had a few well-crafted hits. I'm wondering, you know, Halo is not an easy uh, property to convert to a TV series because you can't really make it about the Master Chief because, you know, it's going to mess up the lore, but it could be well-crafted and into the world of Halo. That would be really interesting. I, I just hope they don't make it too... Like cheap, not in the budget sense, but in the hey, let's wink wink to the Halo crowd every two seconds.
1: My worry is that exactly that is like if they make it um, like a fan service, an only fan service show, then I have zero interest in that. If they make a good TV show, period, and it's just set in the universe, that's so interesting. But historically, it's so tempting for people to go into the kind of like safe zone and say, oh, well, Will service the fan um let's see i I think he- hello hello is kind of like that emblematic property that people think uh, know is very strong in the gaming side, but it's also a niche in many ways because it was yeah. an Xbox exclusive there's lots of people who who know about it but don't never got engaged with it i think it's I, I, I have very ambivalent feelings about Halo, I don't think it's as big as people think it is, because um, it became signature of a generation for, for console, so it it kind of like blown up how important and or how well-known it is. So I'm very right. curious to see how they tackle it. Could be really... I, I feel they could do a good TV show on its own. That's, that's the, the way to approach it. Easy for me to say. But... <laughs> And I think I, I, you know I'm worried about the fan service side of things. Yeah. Th- the thing is the
0: fans are going to be watching it anyway. At yeah. least they're going to give it a chance. So make it into a good TV show first and then link it to Halo, well, respectfully of course. But um oh I mean I I'll, I'll check it out. Obviously I I'll, I'll be interested in something like that. And if they manage to do something good then it opens the door for, you know, everyone's going to be searching for additional gaming properties to be done properly on TV. That could be really interesting. Yeah. Uh, Todd Howard is basically saying that Starfield, that, you know, next Bethesda game, is going to be a cross-generation game. He didn't say it quite like that, but uh, it's very likely, like a few others, that that game is going to be releasing on this generation, but really it's being developed for the next generation. So, I mean, take of that what you will. It's not certain 100%, but it's, it's not surprising either. It's just worth mentioning.
1: I think it's kind of You Slight aside, because, you know, talking about E3, I think Bethesda had a very weird E3 as well, mm. where in the past they've been so successful about showing stuff that nobody expected, and like, oh, it's coming in six months. Oh, my God. They have Elder Scrolls Six. They have Starfield that... We don't know much about. It's too early to talk about them. I feel weird about that, and so yeah. the then the hinting of the cross generation is just like that was really too early. I'm I'm kind of like a little bit baffled. I have my own theories of why they would announce things so. Oh, please so do early. share. Okay, I think they were not talking to the gamers. I think they were talking to investors and mm-hmm. say, hey, oh, look. They're, so there's the whole Facebook trial thing going on that, that, that you know, they, they didn't make as much money out of it than they expected to. That was The result was announced, I think, a week after E3. I think it looks like... Wait, oh, what's the, what's the face, so, Facebook thing? Okay, so they, there's a trial between Facebook and, and, and Bethesda based on uh, John Carmack's work when he was at Bethesda. Oh, use the, the code the oculus
0: thing yeah.
1: right oculus yeah. Yeah, yeah sorry so it's all based on the VR tech there was a first judgment that was passed they we were going to be given 500 million dollars and then there was a there was an appeal in the appeal they said only 250 million they also exonerated uh, individuals specifically like um, uh, 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 mr. Irab uh, one of the uh, the CEO of, uh, of oculus and Brendan Ira, I I remember his name. Um and so I the way I read it is kind of like, oh but look, we have those fancy things coming up, you know, Elder Scrolls is so big, blah blah blah. They showed they've they've literally had someone who could have potentially worked a day on that that that, that teaser trailer for right, Elder right. Scrolls six not telling you anything. And so not Bethesda. Bethesda is like full out four, well, it's coming. Like six months later, it's out. And it works so well for them. I There's agree. no reason for them to do I, that, except talking to investment-like people I imagine that's my theory
0: yeah I could I could see that for sure because it, it made no sense and, and as many people have remarked now every time they're going to open their mouth yeah. everyone's going to be waiting to hear Elder Scrolls 6 Starfield why are you talking if you're not talking about those uh, and that's so extract
1: can... from the other titles that are absolutely. coming sooner yeah
0: uh, absolutely however um I think a lot of people are saying, oh, Bethesda does this thing where they announce a game and it's released three months later. They've been doing it for two years. It's not like, you know, Bethesda is an old company. They haven't been doing that for a decade. They did it for two E3s. So... uh I, I don't know that they, it can be stated as it has been in the entirety of the gaming in you know, industry or the press. That is, oh, this is not the Bethesda way. You don't establish a wave by doing things twice. Um, that being See. said, I still, I still don't, don't really understand why they would announce those very far off games if you're right, if they weren't talking to investors.
1: Uh, you're right on the, the, there's no established Bethesda way, but also it's very recent that they have just a press conference at E3. It's like it was the fourth ever, fifth maybe, fourth or fifth. So I think it, there's 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 interesting things happening there. My theory is purely on, on Starfield and Elder Scrolls 6 is the, the real audience, the message that was sent was not to gamers. It was right, to... Right, right. You know, board of directors, investors, all sorts of things behind the scene. And that's 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 who they were talking to. And now they have to pay the price with, like you said, every time they're going to talk about anything, they won't be like, but Elder <laughs> Elder Scrolls Six, especially is such a kind of like iconic, uh, a limited, yeah. iconic license for them. They can't avoid yeah, being asked that question. Ah! We'll see. Maybe. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And they were careful to say it's not even, you know, it's not even showable anytime soon. Like this is coming after Starfield, which is also we're not showing anything about. So, yeah. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, if it was just for investors, they could have mentioned them in an investors call. They they didn't have to make a big splash, oh. or maybe they needed to do it
1: at this point in time. Yeah, they don't. Yeah. They are not a public company, so they don't have investors oh, call. Well. It's okay. uh, they, it's a little bit more complicated for them, and, wow. and so it okay. might be people, you know, a belly dancing for them. Okay. And you know, just to go back on your initial point, which is the cross generation, it's kind of like hinting at we don't even know. Well, a number of people have like suspicions when the the new generation is going to come, but there's nothing announced about when it is. It could be two years, it could be three four five so the fact that you know there's a, just a hint that one of those two titles might be cross-generation is already kind of telling you like oh it's really not now and mm. it's kind of a subtext for me
0: mm, okay well we will have to see but i mean I, my guess is that they're going to pull a gta 5 and release it first on this generation and then you know a year or yeah. two later when the next but anyway i mean starfield again you're right we don't know when it's coming so um, there was a comment by was it Duke Bowser the <laughs> actually his name um, the, the marketing director for uh, Nintendo US uh, he mentioned that um, the Nintendo Switch is being used docked and undocked at about the same rate so it's over every player maybe some of them use it more docked than undocked but it is being used uh, docked as much as it is being used undocked which is really interesting because um, it really shows that Nintendo did tap into something that gamers wanted. If the console was being used uh, docked only or undocked only, it would have been you know they they yeah. maybe they should have made a different type of console. But here it it validates their concept very much. I, thought that I think was it's interesting. I think
1: I think it's so interesting, and I think it's it shows how how clever Nintendo is, and I. I suspect um, not not all of it, not most of it, but a good portion of it is of the undocked time is is the the second screen. You know, someone is watching TV and you just play in your bed next to them, mm. uh, watching TV the same time. Or you know, you have your 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 partner is sleeping next to you. You don't want to put the TV to to wake him or her up, and you just play on your small small thing next to them. That's you know that's a behavior that was existing already with your phone kind of like but switching into like games ah, yeah. so good so good i i big props on nintendo on that generation i think they'll they be really successful with the switch we haven't seen the end of it and i think that's that's one of the reason hmm. i'm really happy that nintendo
0: is back so happy can't wait for anyway um okay one thing that had me go huh, a little bit was uh e3's press game of the show, um, which ten- ended up being Resident Evil 2, the remake, which I understand why, I mean, they had to exclude uh, the games that you couldn't play with a joy pad in your hands. Um, so, you know, all of the cyberpunk, uh, you know, Last of Us Part 2, Death Stranding, all of those were not in the running. But still, like I, I know some people are very excited about Resident Evil 2 remake, but I don't know. It feels weird that the remake is getting game of the show for E3 twenty eighteen. Maybe it's
1: because I didn't love the game, but uh <laughs> I I don't have anything on to say on that. I, I'm I'm I I don't know how surprising it should be. I think it's interesting. Uh definitely make me a bit more Curious about the title? Mm. it right, says
0: it looks really great, and there's a lot of nostalgia for Resident Evil 2. It's just uh, I and I don't have a problem with remakes. Like remake everything you want. I I'm really not one of those people who's go who goes like oh nowadays everything's a remake. Do something original. No, there are <laughs> plenty of original things. It's just that making it game of E3 feels strange to me because it is. I mean, remakes, yes. Making them game of the of the show, and again, I understand it's because there aren't.
1: Is many. it symptomatic of what this E three was? I mean, I was disappointed by this E three. I don't know what I was mm. expecting. I was a bit like I, lots of very cool game, lots of, of lots of things coming up, but compared to I don't know previous couple of, of, of couple of e threes, there was there was nothing as. As much stunning out As explosive, for me? Exclusive, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. and so I agree. Maybe, maybe that's a symptom
0: of that. I Possible, don't know. but there were still other games that could have been. I mean, anyway, they they have to choose the game they think is worth it, and I'm sure they had those discussions. But um, anyway, um, so yeah. That is uh, it for this episode. I'm che- looking to see if there's something else, but no, I think that's it. Uh, E3's game of the show was disappointing. I think they should have made it something else. <laughs> um, that's, yeah, as I said, that's going to be it for us. Um, Thomas, why don't you tell people where they can follow your very enlightened teachings about the wonderful industry of statistical and uh, intuitive analysis of The gaming industry.
1: Um, I think they should look at me, look for me on Twitter. Uh, My Twitter handle is uh, Icotom, I C O T O M. That's that's the the best way to to look for me.
0: Excellent. And it will be in the show notes, of course. Uh, My Twitter handle is notpatrick. You can find me under that handle on Facebook and Instagram as well. So go check me out there. And uh, you can also find the show at frenchspin.com. Go check that out. Leave comments if you want to. uh, Tell us what we had right and what we had horribly wrong. So let us know there. And uh, that's going to be it for this episode. I'm a little bit tired. I apologize. I don't know where I am. That's life with a baby for you. We will talk to you again in a couple of weeks. Bye, everyone.